You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Be getting your Bibles open. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you go back down there with me, please. 1 Corinthians 4. <clears throat> Still working on... One big long, this is quite the letter that Paul wrote, big long letter and trying to get some things straightened out in the church there at Corinth. It's exciting to get a church planted and we're talking about that and looking forward to seeing what God will do with this um, Falls International and trusting God to do some great things. I just, I just sense God's going to be a blessing, or I think he already has in many ways. When you get a church planted though, uh, you just mark it down that it's the target of Satan I hope you understand tonight the devil hates why why we are here and who we are here for. He hates it and will fight it with every ounce of energy that he has and with every open door that he has given, he'll take full advantage of that because uh, Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so he is after Eastside Baptist Church as well and uh, looking to try to take us out. Um, I'm thinking about the subject that um, I'm, I'm dealing with tonight. I want to talk about confronting the rebellious. Confronting the rebellious. So would you all please stand, all the rebellious, if I could just have you. I need to d- address you tonight. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, that'd be all of us at one time or another, wouldn't it? We uh, have those times. I was trying to imagine what Paul's heart must have been like when he wrote this section of the letter. And it had to be very similar to what I'm thinking about when I think of how my dad would discipline me. Um, my dad was a disciplinarian. Uh, my dad gave whoopings. We never had a spanking in our life. It's all whoop, you're getting a whooping. Um, dad knew what the... Um, the old uh, razor strap belt that he wore in the army was, um, was kept in good use long after he was out of the army. And um, that's when I had to go upstairs to the bedroom. If I, we were outside and there was a, a switch on a tree, my dad knew how to do that. And I did everything I could to, to keep in line in front of my dad. But I will tell you this, there were things that I was able to do I learned where the gaps were. I learned where I could hide behind things in life. And my dad never saw some of those things. And I will tell, hope you listen to me, I will tell you this tonight, those are the areas I have the hardest struggles with in my life. Tonight is in the areas where I learned how to bypass my dad or I could hide behind or whatever. And uh, later on in life, those were where I had my, my greatest struggles working on the disciplines and, the, and so forth in my own personal life. When I look at my own daughters and did the best I could with what I knew to do and what I, I knew should be uh, being done, raising three daughters. I'd never raised daughters before. I was raised with sisters. Um, picked on me all the time. But uh, I... 
I, I never raised, obviously, any kids, so we raised our three daughters the best we could. We read books, and we would, you know, we would get instructions from people. And I would say we did a, an, a, an okay job in our child's discipline. But I know we missed some areas, and I will tell you this. There were times when I was tired. We came home from a church. I mean, I'd been busy all day, and I'd probably helped out in the Christian school. I, I came here and preached, and I, I came home, and I w- I'd be tired a lot of times, and I knew there were areas in my girls' lives that they needed to listen up to what I was saying and to, and <clears throat> to obey and to do what I told them to do right away, but they didn't always do it right away, and I didn't always jump up and do what I should have done. And I will tell you this tonight. Those are the areas I have no doubt in my daughter's lives the areas where I was not consistent and I didn't get onto something that needed to be dealt with immediately, I can guarantee you those are the areas where my daughters probably have their struggles in their life <clears throat> in matters of discipline in their own personal life. So when Paul comes into this chapter here, and we've been dealing with it now for several messages, Paul is like a daddy to these Corinthians. And while he gets down here to the Uh, The section we're dealing with here tonight, finishing out the chapter, um, he gets very pointed with what he's saying to these people, and he lets them know in no uncertain terms, this will be dealt with. And he's confronting the rebellious. If I could say to the parents here tonight, Judy and I, today we were talking about uh, disciplining children and so forth. Let me encourage the parents tonight. Mom and daddies, please help your children to know that there are consequences for wrongdoing every time. Please hear what I just said. Let your children know that there are consequences every time for wrongdoing. Demonstrate that in your consistency. Uh, You don't have to be the strong, carrying a big stick, authoritarian. You can lovingly discipline your children, but the way you discipline your children is a reflection in their minds of who God is and how God will be with them. You need to know that And if they think they can get by with things with their mom and daddies, somehow that's just transferred right over to God as the great disciplinary end. And I challenge you to be consistent with your children. Paul gives a tremendous example for us here tonight as we get into this passage. If you'll look with me, uh, we'll use verse 14 again, uh, confronting the rebellious. So let's read uh, verse 14 down to the end of the chapter again. And Paul's been trying to correct these false teachers in the church and so forth. In verse 14, he said now after he's corrected them and shown them how difficult he was willing to live his life, and yet they're living like kings. But in verse 14, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me, those things that I taught you. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into, notice the wording here, remembrance. It's an interesting study Uh, I would dare you to do a study on uh, remembrance, just the word remembrance throughout the New Testament. Who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, 
which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now notice what he says about this crew back home. He's writing this letter, but here's what he knows about them. Now some of you are puffed up, as though I would not come to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up. He's heard enough of their talk. But, uh, but the power, you say, that didn't make sense. He will, he's not going to know their, the, the speech of them, but the power. We'll explain that. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. That helps you a little bit there. And then he gives that final question that kind of rings the bell. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? I know which one I would have chosen. I sure hope I would have. So let's have prayer there and we'll get into this. God, thank you for your word again. We are needing you tonight, God, if you'll guide and direct us. Father, I open my heart to you and I know if I don't have your strength and grace that this will be fruitless tonight. And I pray that you'll work this into every heart. May you give me good liberty and the anointing of the Lord. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember when Paul told you in Romans 7, 21, He said, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Every time I try to do what's right, it just seems like just right around the corner is something that tries to to, uh, get me to do what is wrong. And he is so correct about that. The devil is so sly about that. Satan knows when we're trying to do what's good here. I enjoy, I love that we have the youth department at work tonight. Kids are in patch and they're studying the Word of God and we're, here we are under the Word of God. I love that. I, it blesses my heart to come to church. But I, as I've said before, Satan hates that and he's going to do everything he can to find a little, you know, a gap to slip in. Somewhere where he can get you upset. Get your mind distracted and away from the Word of God, and the old devil's going to work on um, our hearts and, and in our minds. Uh, I really believe that it's true within a, a family. I believe that's true of the churches that uh, we have attended, and especially this one here tonight. So he's going to try to stir up dissension. He's going to try to get people angry with each other and try to get bad attitudes developed between one another. We all know how that happens. It's happened it's happened with you, with so-and-so, or with this circumstance that got you upset. We, we've all been there. You're in church. I mean, church would be so good without people. <laughs> but then you wouldn't have church, would you? So I, I, I just look back at all the people. You know, Moses tried to lead God's people into the promised land. And almost immediately there came those murmurers. You remember the story, the complainers. They even suggested a coup against his leadership. King David had his Shimei and his Saul, if you're familiar with the Bible reading. Um, Nehemiah had, can you think of anybody that was against Nehemiah? Sanballat and, who's that other rascal? Tobiah, yeah. And and Paul has these false teachers and and, uh, trying to lead them away from the truth of the word of God. So whoever these false teachers and usurpers of the truth of the Word of God are there at Corinth. Paul had one goal in mind, and that was the complete correction of their false teaching, uh, the, the putting in place of these rebels. And that's exactly what he has said, I'm going to do. So number one, first of all, Paul makes sure that the church fully understands what his intent is. 
There in verse 14, would you look at it with me again? Verse 14, he said, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Now listen to me, just a reminder, um, he wants it to be very clear to these people, this is not about shaming them. You know, I've come into the room, I found you doing something wrong, imagine your daughter or your child, your son, um, and you walked in on them and you caught them doing something and you're disciplining them. And and I would just tell you, mom and dad, to walk around the house after you've disciplined your child and continuing to look down your nose at them and give them that shameful look like, yeah, I know what you did uh, earlier today, but you've already disciplined them. I got to tell you, that works in the reverse. It doesn't do good for your child to continually shame them. As I said before last week, shame only lasted about a week for me, and then I just went on back to what I was doing. But when somebody lovingly disciplined me, and it got into my heart. It changed who I was. And Paul's saying, that's not what this is about. I'm not trying to shame you and make you feel ashamed. Now, they ought to have been ashamed, amen, but that was not his goal. His goal was correction, and you need to determine what your goal is when you're trying to correct a child. And then he goes on to make him aware this is not about shame. This is about warning you. Did you see that at the end of verse 14? But as my beloved sons, I warn you, I tried so hard with my daughters to teach them that if you do this in life, these are the things that can happen to you. And when we would watch something on the news or something would come up uh, on, in a news article that, that uh, would enable me to give them a good picture of the kind of things that happen to little girls who just don't follow rules and so on. And I tried to show them that. I wanted them to know what the warnings were. We've already talked about it tonight. Uh, the governor of North Carolina, we've even got the president of the United States firmly warning the people along the coastal lines especially that Florence is packing a punch. They're talking about 12 and 13 foot, what do they call those, surges that are going to come into the shoreline there. And yet you've got people boarding up their house and saying, I've, I've lived through, and they've got the names of all the hurricanes they've lived through, and, and we'll, we'll make it through this one, they say. And many hundreds of others have, have faced the consequences of unheeded warnings. And Paul knows the devastation of rebellion, and he's warning his people to get out of the path of these stormy leaders who will do nothing more than ruin their testimony for Christ and destroy that church. He wants with everything in him. Mom and Dad, you've seen what certain kids have done to your children's attitude before when they got around so-and-so or, or when you allowed them to run with a certain group. You could tell what happened to their attitude. And you, Lord willing, didn't let that just continue as if it was no big deal. Every loving parent would warn their child and would tell them, you need to get out of the path of this. This is not good for you, and this is, this is somebody you're not going to be able to, to be around. You would be wise to do that. It'll destroy the relationship of your child with God. Secondly, Paul takes them back to their roots and go back down there in verse 15 again. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. Now, what does he mean by that, many fathers? He's talking about a spiritual father, somebody that brought them to Christ. Only one man brought you to the Lord, and he said, that's me. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Uh, wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me, is what uh, Paul is trying to get them to see and to understand here tonight doesn't want that devastation to continually be pounding against them. 
And he tells them, first of all, hey, there's a lot of teachers out there, he said. And would anybody say an amen to that today? Man, you look around the world. Flip your TV channel over and over. I guess we don't do this anymore, do we? We do, we do this now, don't we? It's been a long time since we did that. Probably get carpal tunnel now, turning the channels like that. Look on the TV stations. Listen to the radio stations. Hey, KNWC, it doesn't matter which one you're listening to, I'm going to tell you, you better be careful who you are listening to. Because they don't all teach the things that you were brought up under. They don't all teach and say the same things that you know the truth as. And Paul said there's all kinds of teachers out there, and boy are there by the thousands. They're all around the world. You can pick up magazines, you can pick up articles, you can find them everywhere. But what Paul is saying, guys, be careful. And what he's saying to this group is only one fathered you into Christianity, and he's not saying, you know, like the Heavenly Father, but I I brought you to Christ. I'm your spiritual Father in the Lord. And though you have 10,000 instructors, why have you so soon forgotten where this one laid the foundation of the truth at your feet? What's happened to you? And he's saying, come back and be followers of me. Got to be careful when you listen to, I've already said it, to the radio, the books you read. If you are not grounded, you can easily be led off of the body of truth that you were founded upon. You say, well, that's never going to happen to me. Oh, I pray that's true of you, but I can take you to many who were led astray by one little error that got into their life, that they got interested enough to search it out a little bit more, and it broadened out into their life, and they left the body of truth that they knew they had been grounded upon Listen to the things, guys, that reinforce the truth that you were grounded in. Don't get off and say, this guy's such a great speaker. I could name some preachers right now that I've heard people say, man, this guy's a great preacher. He really fires me up. And I know that man is off on his doctrine. And uh, and, and you got to be careful. Seriously, I'm talking to you as a loving, caring pastor here tonight. I am warning you, stay with who you were taught about in the Word of God. And if somebody's, well, they're just off just a little bit preacher, but in everything else, they're just right. You start off just a little bit off, and by the time you make your way on down through eternity, that is a broad gap, many thousands of miles apart by the time you make your way on down through this life. What are you trying to say? Stay with what you know to be true, and don't get away from that. God is very adamant about that. Paul was trying to get them to understand, stay with truth, what you were grounded in. You know the story. You know how they can tell when something's counterfeit. Money, they don't put a bunch of counterfeit money in your hands to to go through and see what what it's like. They put the real thing in your hand. And they make you feel the real thing over and over and over and hours and hours and hours of what the real thing feels like. So then when the counterfeit all of a sudden one passes through your hand, wait a minute, that didn't feel right. I just didn't have the right feel to it. Well, you know what Paul's trying to say? Paul's trying to say, you handle the counterfeit long enough. Are you listening? You listen to it long enough to where you feel the counterfeit long enough. It gets to where even the truth doesn't quite feel right anymore. 
And what's so wrong with what feels good now? Well, what's wrong with it is it goes contrary to the Word of God. Not a person in here has a right to be one bit varied from what the truth of the Bible says here tonight. Stay in God's Word. Stay consistent with the Word of God. So in verse 17, Paul sends somebody to remind them. Guys, I'm going to have to... Somebody has to come back in and ring the bell with you guys and remind you of the truth. So in verse 17, he says, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son in the ministry, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into, look at that word, remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. I'm going to send Timothy there to remind you guys. Well, we know what the truth is, Paul. Well, apparently you need to be reminded of it. Have you noticed how quickly and how easily we can forget major things in life? Well, not me, preacher. How many of you have been running all over that house trying to find your car keys? Where are they? I, where, I know I laid them down right here when I walked in the house. Need to put beepers on them. I will shake hands with a first-time visitor, so excited to have them, nice-looking family, and I shake their hand, and they will tell me their name, and I say to myself, self, you're going to remember their name, and they'll give me their name, and I'll turn to the wife and ask what her name is, and by the time she gets her name out, I've forgotten Mr.'s name. That's terrible. It's horrible. Somebody said, well, you remember what you want to. No, that wasn't what it was. You remember what's important to you. That is so important to me. I so want to remember those visitors' names. I so want to remember where these, these major things are. And, and we can forget things so easily. I remember my um, music fundamentals teacher back in Bible college uh, last century. His name was Larry Brundage. And Larry would walk into class every, every classroom that we had. He would walk in and say, okay, class, let's quote it. And we knew exactly what he meant. And here's what he made us say over and over. I bet I said it a thousand times. Here's his quote. Not what I can remember, but what I can never forget constitutes knowledge. Therefore, drill, drill, drill. Review, review, review. How long has that been? Let's say I graduated in 1979. And I took that class in 1975 or 6. And I can still remember that because it got drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled into my mind. But you have to be reminded of things over and over again. We are creatures of habit, but we're also creatures of memory loss. <laughs> and God knows that. Over and again in the Bible, he sent men to remind his people about doctrines they had learned years ago. I'm going to give you one verse, but there are dozens of these verses in the New Testament. Hey, listen up. Here's what Peter says in 2 Peter 3.1. Just one of many. He says... This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And over and over and over throughout the Bible, you'll find that terminology. God comes along and says, I need to keep reminding you guys of this. Um, so guys, I'm going to put it this way for us tonight. We need to work at keeping our minds fresh with the old doctrines of this book here tonight. Keep your mind fresh with the truths that you've learned. Well, you say, I learned that back in the kindergarten of my little old church back in the country. Well, good. Can you still quote the verses that used to come to you so quickly? No, I mean quote them correctly. 
<laughs> and can you still take you people to verses that you could lead someone to Christ? Well, I used to know the Romans road. What? I used to this and I used to that. Get back in the Word of God and be reminded of those things that will keep you on track and the people around you that look to you for support. Well, secondly tonight, Paul takes a very direct approach to the troublemakers in the church. Mom and Dad, uh, we would all do good to take notice of how he did this. 18 to 21, look at it again, verse 18. Uh, Now, some are puffed up as though I would not come to you. We'll just, let me stop there for a minute. What's that mean, puffed up? I used to read that and think that people were all puffed up and angry because Paul visited all the other churches, but he's not coming back to visit us, and they're all puffed up because he's not coming back to visit us. That's not really what he's saying at all. Uh, You're puffed up as though I, I, I would not come to you. So here's what they were probably thinking. Some were possibly thinking that, you know, we know why you're sending Timothy to us. We really know the real reason, because you've got a fear of coming and talking to us face to face. It's very possible. I mean, I would even say it's very likely that that's what some of these false teachers were thinking. Yeah, send your little protege to to come and talk to us. You know, the little preacher boy, but you're not going to come to us. You're not going to come and see us face to face because you know what we have to say is really, really true. They're all puffed up in their pride and their haughtiness. Uh, Think that you're not going to come and try to discipline us and try to cast down our authority because you know better. It's kind of the attitude they have, guys. Well, it's a dirty, rotten attitude. I'm going to tell you that. You know that will ruin a church. Amen? You got somebody in the house of God that has that attitude? God help that church. And you know somebody's acting like that or talking like that about authority or um, some kind of leadership, and, and you're willing to sit around and listen to people talk like that about somebody in the, in the house of God who's trying to lead people in the ways of Christ, and they may have some real strong human traits about them. They may stumble around and falter a little bit like you do. But where do we get off thinking that it's okay to sit around and have thoughts like this and think that it's, you know, hey, who are these people trying to tell us what to do? I'm thinking right, and I don't need anybody else trying to guide and direct my life. That's kind of where they had come to. It's also possible that Paul had been so caught up with other business that he just couldn't get to them, and they read that as him being afraid to actually come to them and and to confront them, while in reality, Paul was probably just very tied up and busy and unable to get to them. It's amazing how haughty, proud people can become when they feel like there's no danger of really facing any consequences. It amazes me in churches when people feel like, well, I can just get by with this. That's not going to cause a problem here. I've done this for years and nobody's done anything to me about it. It must not be all that bad anyway. It's amazing how far people will go how proud and lifted up and, and, um, and get to the place where they're just like, just, you know, leave me alone. I'll do my own thing. That's, by the way, guys, that's easily done when we stay away from the reading of the Bible and forget that all-seeing eye of God that watches everything we say and do. Every idle word is going to be taken into account one day. So, Paul very confidently states that I'm going to be coming to you if it's, if, if it's the, the Lord's will. Um, look at it in verse 19. 
but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech, not your talk, of them which are puffed up. I've heard all about that, and it's just a bunch of hot airs about what it amounts to. But what I'm going to find out is the power. What in the world? So when he gets there, again, he's not going to listen to their empty speeches that are baseless. They have no real biblical value to them. Um, It's full of vanity, and it's all about them. He's not going to take the time to even listen to that junk. He's going to find out just what kind of power they really have to be able to resist the true power that Paul, the apostle of God, possesses. I'm going to find out where your real authority does come from. And I'm going to stand up in front of you with the authority of the Word of God and with the God of the Word in my life. And I'm going to confront you with the Spirit of God upon me. And all you have to come back to me with is your human spirit. And yet the Spirit of God who's given me the power that I have is going to confront you through this little vessel of the Apostle Paul. Proud rebellion requires a very direct approach. And Paul's not going to go there and mince words. There's a rat in the church. I'm going to tell you something. I I had a phone call from my wife, and the scariest thing I ever had in many years of my life, someone obviously had died in a horrific car accident. I felt so bad because when Yvette called me, it was with uh, sobbing and crying, and I'm like, all right, I sat down. I was in my office, and I picked the phone up. I sat down and said, honey, what is wrong? And she said, I was cooking something at the stove, and he ran right out at my feet and then ran right back under the stove. I said, who? The mouse did. And I said, where are you? She said, I'm on top of the couch, and you have to come home. She was sobbing. I am telling you what. And if I hadn't caught that rascal, we would still be in a motel tonight. Yeah. It's one thing when you get a mouse in the house, but you got a rat in the church. They need to get out. They do. It's going to affect everybody. Rats stink. You ever been in a house, a trailer somewhere where a rat or a mouse has crawled in somewhere and they don't even have to die. They just stink. I think that's their middle name. And there was a rat in the church and Paul's coming to get him out. It's time to take care of this rebellion. You can either get your heart right or face the consequences. You say, we didn't say that. Are you sure? Look in verse 21. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? He said, honestly, it's your choice. Because this has reached the degree that our church is about to go under and I begat these people. I led many of them to Christ. I watched them bow down and, and, and invite Christ into their lives. And I, I watched God change their families. And, I, and I've watched them come together and do great things for God. And now this rat is in the church and is destroying them. And if you think I'm going to wait one more minute when I get there, you better make the choice right now. Are you going to go on in your rebellion and make me come to you with a rod and discipline you in a spiritual manner like you obviously have never been disciplined? 
Are you going to repent to God, not to, not to me? Are you going to get down on your face before God and understand that your real rebellion has not been to this church? Your real rebellion has not been to this apostle, this preacher. Your real rebellion has been against a holy God who is the one who sent his son to die for you that you could know Christ as Savior. And there is a God that loves you. And which one do you want me to come to you with? The rod or in love? Really, the choice was theirs. And I would say that even here tonight. God's looking into every heart here tonight. I know that with all my heart. And I was asking God, Lord, where do we go with this? What does this mean to our church? And I believe with all my heart, God says to us tonight, would you look into your own heart? And is there this little place in your heart of rebellion that has been puffed up and feels like it's not, you know, God's not going to do anything with me or to me because the way I'm living is just fine. And I don't need anybody telling me how to live my life and point a finger at me and teach me the Word of God. Is there something in your heart that God says to you, do I have to come to you with a rod or will you make things right in your life? Will you have a walk with the Lord Will you spend time with me on a daily basis and we can walk hand in hand so that when things do go wrong and you've stumbled and fell, you get your heart right with me and we're right back in fellowship so that I can come to you in love. I'd rather have God come to me in love. I want God loving on me instead of disciplining me. Anybody here know what it means to be disciplined by God? Yeah, I think we all do. Otherwise, God says you're illegitimate children. If you can get by with sinning, I believe that'd be the true test of whether you're really saved or not. And if you can sin and nothing's happening against you, God disciplines his own children. He does. And uh, if you think you can get by with that, it's a thought to seriously consider. So Eastside, stay right. It's the house of God. These are God's people in here tonight. And let's be careful the kind of talk we have about each other. Sitting around the coffee table or wherever we might be at our culvers or in our houses together or just texting back and forth. Be careful what you have to say about one another. God's listening and uh, looking for us to live the kind of life that would be pleasing to Him.